Swords Up? That's the way my youth pastor used to start a Bible game called Sword Drill. After raising our Bibles high in the air, he called out a specific Bible passage and then said, Go! The first person to locate the passage, stand up, and read it aloud won the round of points. Of course, the advantage always went to the person with the most scripture stored up in his heart. Nobody played sword drill better than Jesus. When he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he drew his sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, not once, not twice, but three times. Score Jesus three, and the devil zero. I'm Ron Jones, something good starts right now. I'm sure you've been told to never bring a knife to a gunfight. Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian, thanks for stopping by. Well, our adversary, the devil, comes out with guns blazing every single day. His tactics are well-planned, his bullets well-aimed, his soldiers well-trained. Today you'll learn about the most powerful weapon we can use in this battle. The saying is true, you should never bring a knife to a gunfight. Instead, bring a sword. Today's message is part of Ron's teaching series, Armored, Dressed for Victory in Spiritual Warfare. And it comes your way next. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron and today's Something Good Radio message, Picking Up the Sword of the Spirit. Well, the United States military, as I understand, is constantly looking for ways to improve upon a soldier's body armor. And apparently, not too long ago, um, they did a redesign on um, the outer tactical vests for female soldiers. More and more females are finding themselves in combat. At the time of this redesign, um, women made up 14% of the army. And as they find themselves more and more into combat, they also found themselves wearing body armor that was designed for men. And so thankfully, the United States military went through a redesign and uh, now there is armor that fits a female's body. Obviously, from time to time, the military needs to do some updating and some redesign of their armor. But we're in a series of messages about the spiritual armor that God has given to us to fight spiritual battles. And the armor of God never needs improvement. It never needs a redesign. It's designed to fit every believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're male or female. And there's no improvement needed. What does need improvement is how each of us utilizes the tools and the weaponry that God has given to us to fight the spiritual battles we find ourselves in. Too many of us are not getting dressed for victory in spiritual warfare, and we wonder why we're living defeated lives, why the Christian life may not work for us very well. Uh, We've come to um, the last piece of armor found in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Remember, the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We can't pick and choose the armor. We, we need every piece of it, 
every day. We need a heightened sense of awareness to the spiritual realities that are happening all around us and a spiritual understanding to the battles that we're facing because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I take that to mean my wife is not my enemy, my church is not my enemy, my my pastor is not my enemy, my elders or deacons are not my enemies, the other political party is not my enemy. Uh, No, it's cleverly disguised in human forms, uh, the spiritual battles that are going on in the heavenly places, Paul says. We need every piece of armor. And so far we've talked about putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about those gospel shoes of peace. You don't wanna go into battle without your shoes on, right? The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And now the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 17 to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is unique in this way. It's the only piece of armor that is uh, an offensive weapon with which to fight. Um, Again, Paul is picturing in his mind uh, a Roman soldier. And in the ancient world, a Roman soldier would have two kinds of sword. The particular sword that Paul has in mind is called the gladius. And it was a shorter device, about 18 inches long. It was more like a dagger than, you know, a a long sword that you would wield. And uh, it was used in hand-to-hand combat, uh, used in close range. And you can almost picture the Roman soldier, uh, you know, out on the field with his dagger in hand in close range, you know, in combat uh, with his enemy. This is what Paul has in mind when he says, take up the sword of the Spirit. Because there will be times, I think the implication is, that the devil will feel like he's so close he's in your face. Uh, There's a story from the Reformation period when uh, uh, supposedly Martin Luther, the Catholic priest who lit the spark that became the Protestant Reformation, he felt the presence of the devil so close that he picked up an inkwell in his office and threw it across the room at him. He would have done better if he had just picked up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and thrown that at the devil. But uh, even Luther felt uh, the presence of evil was so real at times in his life that he uh, responded in that way. The gladius was a double-edged sword, this dagger was, and it was razor sharp. And it's probably what the writer of Hebrews has in mind when he writes, for the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. What a great description of the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And keep in mind that the Apostle Paul calls it the sword of the Spirit. It's a particular kind of sword. One author says it's not your sword, it's not the church's sword, it's not the sword of good works or religion, it's not the preacher's sword, This is the sword of the Spirit, and in fact, it's the only weapon we're told that the Spirit uses in the spiritual realm. And now is a good time to remind us that we fight spiritual battles with spiritual weaponry. When we try to fight spiritual battles with human weapons, like human reason and human logic and uh, the power of persuasion and manipulation and all of that, trying trying to change this person or change that circumstance, through uh, the, the, the best of our humanness that we can get into, we will fail every time because the battle is a spiritual one 
and it requires the spiritual weapons that God has uh, given to us for spiritual warfare. There's a picture of just how quickly um, human tools will fail if we go all the way back 2,000 years ago to the night that Jesus was crucified or actually was arrested and then the next day crucified. If you go back to the Garden of Gethsemane and you remember when they came and arrested him, uh, Peter, and we would expect Peter to do this, you know, bombastic Peter. Peter wanted to take control of the situation. Uh, he, he, he was uh, not at all happy that they were coming to arrest Jesus. And so what did he do? Do you remember this in the Gospels? Peter took out his own sword and he lunged toward a guy named Malchus who was the high priest's servant. And the Bible says he cut off the ear of Malchus. <laughs> he missed by that much, right? I think old Peter was aiming for the middle of his head. And that's when Jesus turned to Peter and rebuked him. He said, in effect, Peter, that's not the way we fight this battle. And Jesus picked up Malchus's ear and healed his ear. And it became a, a reminder and an illustration that we do not fight spiritual battles with human methodology. Uh, it will fail every time. Maybe you have some strongholds in your life, and we'll talk about that toward the end of our time together, what a spiritual stronghold is and how to defeat that. But some of those strongholds may appear to be people in flesh and blood. And behind it all it's, is a powerful resistance taking place in the heavenly realms. You need divine power to destroy such strongholds. And part of that includes taking up uh, what Paul calls the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now let's talk a little bit about the Word of God. Uh, there are actually three words in the Greek language that are translated in English, word, and refer to uh, what we call the Word of God or the Bible. Uh, the first is, um, is the word uh, graphe. And uh, this refers to the writings, it refers to the, uh, the, the scribings or the scribbles of Scripture itself, uh, to the physical text of Scripture. Uh, think of it as God's Word in an actual book that we call the Bible. Graphe is the word that Paul uses, for instance, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, where he says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. He's referring to the writings of Scripture. All graphe was God-breathed is the idea. Uh, Peter also uses this word in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture or graphe comes from someone's own interpretation. Uh, the leaders of the Protestant Reformation helped put graphe, uh, the writings of Scripture, in the hands of everyday people like you and me. That was one of the uh, major um, uh, shifts that took place in the early 1500s, and it coincided with the invention of the Gutenberg Press, where uh, uh, they, could, they could print the Scriptures and distribute it to the masses of people. Up until that time, the Bible was written in a language that only a few people knew. It was written in Latin, and Bibles were chained to the pulpits in churches. And interestingly enough, even a, um, a priest like Martin Luther, the priests, the Catholic priests, rarely had access to the Scriptures themselves. If they went to the library, they might be able to check one out, and that's what Martin Luther did. 
he checked out a copy of the Graphe, the scriptures, and started reading the scriptures, and he learned the just shall live by faith. And that wasn't the message he had been hearing from the Catholic Church, and thus started the Protestant Reformation. Why do I tell you all of that? Because it's not enough to simply own a copy of the scriptures and accept, expect to be successful in your spiritual battle. Uh, that's sort of like having a, a lucky rabbit's foot and tossing it in the back of your car and expecting to have good luck in traffic and not get into an accident. You can't just buy a copy of the scriptures, the graphe, and just toss it in the back of your seat in your car and expect to be successful in spiritual battle. That's not what Paul is talking about when he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's not telling us to go down to the Christian bookstore and buy a Bible, put it on your shelf, and let it collect dust. No, that's not the way you fight spiritual battles. Or to go online and download one and carry it around on your smartphone, as important as that might be. It may be a first step but there's more to taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, than just having a copy of the graphe. Which brings me to the second word in Scripture that is translated from the Greek language word, and it's the word logos. Don't go away. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with this message picking up the sword of the Spirit. And if you're new to the program, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the 828 Club right from our website or give us a call, 757 757- 276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. Having a weapon does you no good unless you know how to use it and you choose to use it. It's the same way with the Word of God. Here's Ron with the rest of today's message, Picking Up the Sword of the Spirit. Now here we go from the writings of Scripture to the graphe from that to um, a word that refers to the meaning of God's word and how it is explained and interpreted. If this book, the physical graphe, the writings of scripture represent the written word of God, Jesus Christ is the living word of God. He, He is the word of God explained and interpreted in human form. He is the God man. And John, in his gospel, when he is introducing Jesus Christ to the world, uses the word logos. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the logos, he says. Takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis. Right there at the moment of creation. He was there before creation. He was in the beginning. You scroll down in John chapter 1 to verse 14, then you run into Christmas. And the Word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the Father, full of grace and truth, the Scripture says. Uh, The Logos, uh, an interesting uh, word even 2,000 years ago. For centuries, sophisticated Jews and Gentiles talked about the Logos. They thought of it, 
the Logos that is in, in almost a Star Wars force kind of way. Uh, they, they, would, they would talk about and they would pontificate about the force out there, the Logos. It wasn't a person to them. To the, to the philosophically minded person, the Logos was still just an, an, an unidentifiable force that kept the universe together. When John introduces Jesus in John chapter 1, he puts flesh and blood on the Logos and blew the minds of the most sophisticated thinkers in Judaism and uh, Greek philosophy. The word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. He's not some, some ethereal force out there. God became human being in the person of Jesus Christ. As amazing as the word logos is, as a translation of the word word, it's still not what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 6. There's a third word in the Greek language that is translated word. I know you didn't come for a, a Greek grammar session this morning, but this is really important to understand what Paul is talking about when he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is, in this case, the rhema of God. That's the third word, the rhema of God. And the word rhema here uh, literally refers to, um, uh, to uh, the specific use of the word of God in a specific situation. Have you ever been reading the scriptures or hearing the reading of scripture or the preaching of scripture and something about that scripture just leaped off the page? or jumped in your spirit. And it was the spirit of God's way of, of focusing attention on this because of something you're going through in your life. Uh, that was the rhema word of God, the specific application of the graphe to whatever situation you're going through. Now, what does that look like in everyday life? Well, let's again go to the scriptures and to the example that Jesus gives us. Jesus was a master swordsman. When it comes to wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, while facing spiritual conflict, nobody did it better than Jesus Christ. I remember years ago when I was uh, serving a church in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, the first church that we served, there was a guy in our church that was a, uh, a master swordsman in the, in the skill and the sport of fencing. And I, I, I love to watch him you know, do his fencing. He, he was so skilled at wielding, you know, that, uh, that little sword that they use in the game of fencing. Uh, in the same way, Jesus was a master swordsman, but in a slightly different way and with a different kind of sword. Matthew chapter 4 records the time that uh, this, the Bible tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This was prior to him inaugurating his public ministry. Uh, there was a time of spiritual consecration. He fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And at the end of those 40 days, the devil kind of made a miscalculation. He thought Jesus, who was now weakened physically because he hadn't eaten anything for 40 days, that he was also weak spiritually. And that's when the Bible says the devil came to tempt him. And the devil, you know, he, he has a strategy. He uses it over and over and over again, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, 
This is what he, he did with Eve in the garden, you know, started with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and played to her pride and all of that. He, he does that over and over again because it works. So he tried it on Jesus, <laughs> thinking that this Jesus, who is now in a weakened state physically after 40 days of fasting, would be weakened spiritually. Just the opposite was true. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It was like a dagger in the devil's heart. He took the word of God and applied it to a specific situation. That's the rhema use of the word of God. Do you know the word of God and how to use it? If you haven't already, learn it well so that you can overcome the enemy in any given situation, regardless of his timing or his tactics. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones, and today's message, Picking Up the Sword of the Spirit, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand right at somethinggoodradio.org. Simply use the radio tab that's right at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it, it can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one, based on the 39 books of the Old Testament, is now available, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume One, Old Testament, is now available for pre-order. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To pre-order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book. I know I am. Would you talk a minute about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together and tell us why this two-volume book would be such a great resource for anyone listening right now? Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set, as challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of His creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more, or call our offices at 757-276-1099. 
And if you'd like to mail your check, here's the address. P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You got to accept that reality by faith. But something's going on in the invisible realm that may be the perfect explanation to what you're struggling with in the physical realm. And the only way to find freedom from a spiritual stronghold and a spiritual bondage is by fighting it with spiritual weaponry and fighting it exactly as God told us to do. To put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, those gospel shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, every piece of it is important. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, picking up the sword of the spirit. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.